From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. The problem with emergencies is they never have the courtesy to announce themselves prior to arriving. While we had some pretty accurate forecasting, last week's historic ice storm still took most of the region by surprise in terms of its severity and duration. Tens of thousands of people were impacted and thousands are still without power. It was a grim reminder that emergencies can and will happen anytime and anywhere. Today on Oregon on the Record, you'll hear from two emergency preparedness experts and get their advice and counsel about how to better prepare for the next emergency, be it snow, wildfire, or earthquakes. From making a family plan, stocking up on the right supplies, to getting to better know your neighbors, in many emergency situations, the most reliable and accessible person who can help out just might be you. Today on Oregon on the Record, You'll hear from two experts on emergency preparedness who will be able to help you definitively answer that question. From assembling emergency kits, to developing a neighborhood action plan, to understanding the dangers both during and after an emergency, our experts will help you both plan for the when, not if, of an emergency, and also help get you in the right mindset to become not just an emergency planner, but an emergency survivor. So let's start with a citywide emergency planner in a city that has to deal with winter emergencies, and that's the Director of Risk and Emergency Management in the City of Bend. Carrie Carl, really appreciate you jumping on and talking with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, most of Western Oregon and most of the state just went through a pretty big cold weather emergency. You know, many people were prepared, but just as many, if not more so, weren't. You know, for the next cold weather emergency, what should be what should people be doing right now? If you were part and experienced uh, some pretty ex- significant impacts from that storms or the storms that we've had, and even if you didn't, think about your gaps. Hmm. What are the things you didn't have? That's what emergency management does. We have something happen, or we plan for it, and we exercise, and then we see what didn't we think of, what are we missing, and we add that into our plan. Um, A lot of folks will think about the extra supply, food, water, blankets, prescriptions, um, lighting in the event that we we go out, we lose power and you're in darkness. Other things folks should be thinking about are, do I have backups to my resources? So in the form of an ice storm or a winter snowstorm, if I rely on gas-forced air and I need to use electricity to make that run, and that electricity isn't there, what's my backup? Hmm. Is there another option? Do I have a wood stove that I can use? Do I have a gas fireplace that has a battery backup? Uh, Do I have, if I lose gas, do I have electric heaters that I can use? So thinking about what my backups are to to support and and really get myself and my family the things we need uh, to keep us warm, to keep us dry, uh, to be able to feed ourselves uh, and, and get the fuel we need to keep Keep warm and safe. Sure, sure. Going to remind folks that we're talking to Carrie Carl. She's the director of risk and emergency management with the city of Bend. You know, it's funny. A lot of times, when a a business or a company or a municipality goes through an emergency, a lot of times, you know, after the emergency's passed, there's there's an assessment meeting where where leaders get around and talk about what we did well, what we didn't do well, what you just talked about in terms of gaps. Should families do that? 
the three things that you really want to be thinking about for any emergency is to know my risk. And that's where I live. What are the things I can be susceptible to? Make a plan. Having a plan in place for what you're going to do in that incident and then take action. So that after action review or taking the time to just talk through what happened mm -hmm. and what was missing. And remember, like we say some of these basic things about extra supplies and uh, uh, food and water. There's some basic needs every human needs, but there are also going to be unique needs for your family, for your pets. Uh, just to make sure that they have what they need in an emergency. And if they didn't, that's that time to share and be like, hey, I really missed this. Hmm. And it would be great to have it next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, communication. And, 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 you know, it's not just, you know, having a cell phone charged and, and, and maybe even a radio or something like that. I always feel like, you know, we always do stories about how isolated modern life is and, and, and people are cut off and maybe don't know their neighbors as well as they did generations ago. But maybe talk a little bit about that, about, you know, in terms of emergency preparedness, you know, communication, intra-neighborhood communication and, and, and getting to know your neighbors, because it, like, like, like we've talked about, they may be your most dependable uh, a resource during an emergency. That's 100% true. Uh, sometimes it's very difficult to get communication out depending on what, what's happened. And you're, you're right, we rely on using our cell phones or um, we communicate, uh, I would say even less so by landline, but mm -hmm. um, the internet, all those resources to connect us to other people. Um, but it's equally or even more important in an emergency to know who your next door neighbor is, to know um, what, uh, what they might have or what their needs might be. So there's a program called Map Your Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And Map Your Neighborhood is really about going out and meeting your neighbors, understanding the resources that they have or don't have, uh, and how we can all support each other uh, in an incident. Um, part of that is looking at your neighbors and saying, uh, like, I know some of my neighbors aren't, uh, may not have the capability to have as much preparedness as I do. Okay. Not everybody has 50 gallons of a 50 gallon drum of water. I mm. will 100% say that. Um, but I have three, so I don't need all of those from, for everyone in my family, but it does help me provide resources to other people who might need it in that emergency. Uh, so thinking about what those folks might need, what, what, uh, resources I can provide, or if somebody gets injured, knowing who the doctors are or nurses are or medical, medical professionals in your neighborhood, um, it, it really is banding together to be able to share and utilize resources and then also communicate those needs out. You may have somebody who has a, a desire to be a ham radio operator and is doing that in their spare time and could potentially communicate that uh, information out if we have the loss of all other communications. So neighbors are really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, natural disasters have a, a pesky habit of not happening happening on schedule and so it's it's one thing to be very prepared at home but obviously you could be at work you could be in your car you could be at school all sorts of things where you're not you're away from your home base where you might be the most prepared 
Talk a little bit about, I guess I'll call it, you know, portable preparedness, you know, kind of what's, what's both the mindset, but also perhaps the equipment that you should always think about to have with you um, um, at all times or the next best case. Yeah, it, it, there's a very good chance you won't be at home during an emergency. Mm -hmm. um, we, we are at, as you said, school, work, away from our homes most of the day. Um, and it's important to keep a kit in the places that you spend time. So if you have uh, an office or you're at a, um, a place that you go to work and you have a space, store a kit there, uh, have a kit in your car. The, the purpose of a, of the way I view like a car or an office kit mm -hmm. is family comes first. So you really want to be able to check on and confirm and make sure that your family is okay. So my uh, um, car kit and my office kit are going to get me back to my family. Hmm. So if I can't get, get a hold of my, my family by uh, cell phone or um, text, if I'm trying to text them, texts are typically easier to send out if we have a big communications uh, um, emergency happening. If I can't get a hold of them that way, I'm going to need to get back to them. If the roads are not passable, how am I going to do that? I need to have the sturdy shoes. I need to have things that are going to keep me warm and dry. Um, that doesn't mean I need to have everything. Mm -hmm. It's basically my, uh, I have an outer layer. I have warm layers or light layers to keep me warm. I have water. I have uh, minimal food, basically a couple of days. We call them maybe a 72 hour kit or a little bit less uh, to try. Cause it may be difficult to get where you need to go. Um, especially if we see uh, roads washed out or um, uh, things are impassable by car and you have to go by foot or you have to go by some other method in order to get there. Uh, so I think of those two kits, that office kit and that home kit or that work kit as the one that's going to get me back to my family. Now my house kit is going to be significantly larger because it's going to have all those resources that's going to allow me to stay uh, uh, or allow my family to stay safe and get the things that they need, food, water, shelter, et cetera, uh, during that um, time that we may be isolated or separated from getting a flow of resources. I think it's really important for folks to know that it takes time for emergency response to, to start. Um, police and fire have crews and folks that are out and they may be able to go out and they will be able to go out and respond but when we start to, to, to ratchet that response up or in, uh, kind of uh, build it, it takes time to get folks out and, and, and being able to respond. And the first thing that they need to do is make sure their families are okay before they can come out and respond to yours. Carrie Carl, the Director of Risk and Emergency Management with the City of Bend, really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. A very timely discussion. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now we're going to talk with a coordinator at the state's department that handles emergencies and disasters. Kayla Thompson, the Community Preparedness Coordinator for the Oregon Department of Emergency Management. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, this may be a very basic question, but, you know, what is, what is kind of emergency or, and or community preparedness? What does it mean to you? And, and probably even more importantly, what should it mean to the average person out there? That's a great question. Community preparedness to me is having a plan for myself and my household, but also those around me, my neighbors, 
people in my social circle knowing what we are going to do in the event of a disaster, knowing who may need some extra help or support, and also who is in a position to provide extra help and support if a disaster happens. Is there a better mindset for people to get into when it comes to, you know, emergency preparedness and and taking a time when the sun is shining and there's no emergency going on to make a better plan? Yes, that's a great point. Uh, Thinking about preparing for a disaster that you could potentially be without services or everyday comforts for at least two weeks that's very overwhelming and that's very scary. Mm -hmm. And if we're not actively in a disaster, it's very easy to not think about those things. But it's important to know, even though it's overwhelming, it's not as scary as people think. And planning, making the time to plan, that's empowering Mm -hmm. when what we call a blue sky day, Hmm. right? Not an emergency, everything's going okay. When you have that time to talk to everyone in your household and in your circle, okay, worst case scenario, this is what happens. What are we going to do? What do we need? Uh, Do we have everything that we need? And then practicing that plan, having those steps in place, that can really help alleviate the fear and anxiety around that. Because when it happens, you've already had that conversation Hmm. and you know, okay, we've played through this before. I have an idea of what I need to do. Uh, Let's, let's hope we have some blue sky days ahead. And, you know, now we have, I guess, some downtime in terms of not worrying so much about the next ice storm. So, you know, in addition to what you just said, what should we be doing right now to prepare for? And let's take an example of a, of, of a cold weather emergency situation. Yes, this is the perfect time uh, following uh, a winter ice storm to assess with you and your household and your circle what went well and then what went wrong and take the time to talk about that and then take the necessary steps to be more prepared. You know, what were we missing? Did we have enough blankets? Did we have flashlights? Did we know about the warming shelters? So some really easy steps you can take first is signing up for alerts Hmm. or alerts.gov. You can go on there and sign up for alerts in your area so that when your local emergency management announces that something is happening, you're informed. That's what we say is to be informed, have a plan and make a go kit. Okay. Um, And And I'm sorry, what was the second half of your question? Well, it was just, it was just this, you know, yeah, like, like you've talked about, you know, what are, what are those plans you need to do? What, what should we we be doing right now, you know, for our own homes, maybe for our office, wherever? Yes. So right now, like I said, um, assess what you didn't have. Did you have enough medications? Did you have portable chargers to keep your phone charged? Did you have a way to stay warm if your power went out? Mm -hmm. Did you have communication? So did you have a radio? Figuring out what you needed during this last ice storm and then taking steps to get those supplies. Got it, got it. I remind our audience, we're talking with Kayla Thompson. She's the Community Preparedness Coordinator for the Oregon Department of Communication in an emergency is is a big deal. And I'm not just necessarily talking about, you know, having your cell phone handy. It's 
talking about talk about in terms of emergency preparedness about communication you know on your block in your neighborhood you know kind of what are ways in which you can sort of build your own informal communication network so that when you know the uh, when 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 a problem occurs you're not as isolated as as you might be otherwise Yes, and emergencies and disasters can make us feel very isolated. And like you said, during those non-emergency times, that is the best time to build those relationships and build that sense of community. One of the easiest ways to do that is to talk to your neighbors, knock on their door, reach out, and find out what resources do you have? What skills do you have? This is what I have talking to your coworkers, people that you spend a lot of time with. If you're in a rec club, you know, a couple nights a week, because we never know where we're going to be when the disaster hits. And uh, Oregon Emergency Management will actually be introducing a public outreach program this June hmm. called Be Two Weeks Ready. And this is a program that features eight units that covers preparedness topics, which includes disaster preparation, an emergency plan, food, water, waste and hygiene, shelter, first aid, and learning about emergency management. And while the materials will be available for download on OEM's website uh, as a resource to anyone who is interested, it's also a way for individuals to work with a trained facilitator in their community, whether through and their emergency management office, a community-based organization, their local community emergency response team, or their faith-based leaders. And we have trainings that will be offered to those groups over the next few months that will train them in how to facilitate the Be Two Weeks Ready program within their circles. Got it. Got it. You've mentioned a duration of time several times during this interview, two weeks. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about that because... It seems like a long time, but, and I've heard it from you, but I've heard it from others too, that, boy, that's a realistic timeline that, that you may be kind of on your own. And of course, you know, as, as, as most of us in Western Oregon are very, very cognizant of, of we live in an earthquake pr uh, prone area. And certainly, you know, you've talked about whenever, whenever people mention the Cascadia earthquake potential, being able to take care of yourself for at least two weeks is, is pretty important, isn't it? Yes, it's very important. The initial recommendation or the previous recommendation used to be 72 hours, but lived experience through disasters and research shows that that is just not enough time. And most people will need to be at least prepared to, to go two weeks without assistance or other services. Those living in the coastal communities really need to be looking at at least four weeks prepared because the Cascadia subduction zone is about 70 to 100 miles off the coast, and they will be greatly impacted. So making sure that you have that extra water, that extra food, especially if you need extra medications or batteries for medical devices, contacts, eyeglasses, things that are very crucial for you to stay, uh, for you to survive, because it will be a very long time before help can get to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a phrase, it, it gets used a lot in a lot of different set settings, kind of hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. You know, 
what's a good balance between, you know, living our lives, being, you know, hopefully optimistic and, and not having to live in, 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 in a shroud of worry, but also being proactive in case disaster strikes? Yes. Yeah. It goes back to that overwhelming feeling when it comes to preparedness, but you do want to hope for the best, but we need to prepare for the worst. And we live in a beautiful state. We have the coast, we have the mountains, we have the valley with luscious forests, um, but with that come hazards. And we're seeing these reoccurring weather events every year. And for example, in Oregon, you know, we know that May to October is typically wildfire season. Mm -hmm. So spending those months before that, taking the time to prepare, making a plan, building a go bag as you can, uh, taking advantage of those blue sky days when a disaster isn't happening, but acknowledging and accepting that we do experience severe weather disasters in Oregon. We experience wildfires, floods, heat domes, high winds, you know, ice and snowstorms every year. And accepting that we have those and taking the necessary steps because disasters begin and end at the local level and preparedness begins um, with the individual. Got it. Got it. Good advice. Well, Kayla Thompson, the uh, Community Preparedness Coordinator for the Oregon Department of Emergency Management. Really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. That's the show for today. Last week was a brutal reminder of how devastating a weather event can be to Western and Central Oregon. And while the devastation was inarguable, it could have been a whole lot worse. Perhaps then, as a kind of wake-up call to us all, now is the best time to evaluate and reevaluate our position and plan for how we'll deal with the next emergency that Mother Nature throws at us. I want to thank my guests for coming on the show to provide their expertise. Carrie Carl, the Director of Risk Management for the City of Bend, and Kayla Thompson from the Oregon Department of Emergency Management. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record from KLCC. Thanks for listening.